Hello, welcome to chapter 6 in our series of lessons on Cambridge A-Level Biology. The topic of this chapter is nucleic acids and protein synthesis. Nucleic acids and protein synthesis. Introduction. The functions of a cell are controlled by the DNA, that is deoxyribonucleic acid. The DNA determines the kinds of proteins that are synthesized in a cell. And the kinds of proteins synthesized in a cell determines the kind of metabolic reactions that will occur within the cell. These cells catalyze those metabolic reactions and they also these proteins catalyze the metabolic reactions and they also coordinate the process of cell division. DNA as well as RNA is a polymer made up of monomer subunits called nucleotides. Many nucleotides join together to form polynucleotide molecules. And there are two types of polynucleotide molecules you are going to be talking about. Deoxyribonucleic acid and ribonucleic acid. What is the structure of a nucleotide? A nucleotide is made up of three major components. A pentose sugar attached to a nitrogenous base and a phosphoric acid. The pentose sugar has five major carbon atoms, so the nitrogenous base attaches to one of the carbon atoms and the phosphoric acid attaches to another carbon atom. So there are five possible types of nitrogenous bases that can be found in nucleotides. And there, 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 there are five types of nitrogenous bases, adenine, guanine, thymine, cytosine and uracil. Adenine and guanine are described as purines and they are composed of two rings, whereas thymine, cytosine, and uracil are described as pyrimidines, and they are composed of just one ring. ATP is an example of a phosphorylated nucleotide that is made up of adenine, ribose sugar, and three phosphate group, and ATP serves as the energy currency of the cell. Now, nucleotides bind to one another by phosphodiester bonds to form polynucleotide strands. So on DNA, for example, which is made up of two strands, nucleotides on one strand are bonded to each other by phosphodiester bonds. The phosphodiester bond is between the carbon atom 3 of one nucleotide and the phosphate group of another nucleotide. That phosphate group is attached to carbon atom 5. Meanwhile, note that the nitrogenous base is attached to the carbon atom 1 of the um, pentose sugar. Now let's talk about the structure of DNA. The structure of DNA. DNA is a polynucleotide molecule that is composed of two strands and the two strands are joined together by hydrogen bonds between the nitrogenous bases on the two strands. The two strands are antiparallel to one another that is, they run in opposite direction. One strand runs in the 5 prime, 3 prime direction. The other strand runs in the 3 prime, 5 prime direction. Each strand forms a right-handed helical spiral and the two chains coil around each other to form a double helix. Each chain has a sugar phosphate backbone and the width between the two backbones is constant and equal to the width of a base pair. A base pair is usually comprised of a pyrimidine and a purine. Adenine binds to thymine with two hydrogen bonds between them and guanine binds to cytosine with three hydrogens between the hydrogen bonds between them. 
the two polynucleotide strands are described as complementary to one another because the base pairing rule allows the sequence of one chain to be used to predict or determine the sequence of the other chain. So DNA has a double helical shape, it has a double helical shape, and it is made up of numerous nucleotide subunits. Let's talk about RNA. RNA is a single-stranded polynucleotide molecule, and unlike DNA, it is made up of adenine, guanine, cytosine, and uracil. Instead of thymine, there is uracil in RNA. So RNA has uracil, whereas DNA has thymine but does not have uracil. Also, another difference is that RNA is made up of a pentose sugar called ribose. That's where it got the name ribonucleic acid. Whereas DNA is made up of a pentose sugar called deoxyribose. So RNA is single-stranded. And then there are three types of RNA in cells. There's transfer RNA, there's messenger RNA, and there's ribosomal RNA. Transfer RNA is involved in the transport of specific amino acids from the cytoplasm to the ribosome during translation. Whereas messenger RNA is responsible for the transfer or transmission of genetic information from the nucleus to the ribosome during protein synthesis. Messenger RNA is usually formed during a process called transcription within the nucleus. We're going to talk about that in more detail later. Now let's talk about DNA replication. What is DNA replication? DNA replication is a process by which new DNA molecules are synthesized from pre-existing DNA molecules and it usually occurs during the S phase of the cell cycle and it begins at the origins of replication of the DNA. Each strand of DNA molecule is used as a template to make a new strand. The first thing that happens is that the double helix of the DNA unwinds and this unwinding is done by an enzyme called helicase helicase enzyme it unwinds the dna double helix and once it unwinds the helix the two strands separate from one another the hydrogen bonds holding them together is broken the two strands separate from one another and then single strand binding proteins attach to the separated dna strands and keeps them separated and untwisted dna polymerase then binds to the exposed strands which serves as a template and the DNA polymerase begins to move along that exposed strand in the three prime, five prime direction. And as it is moving, it synthesizes a new DNA material, a new DNA strand. How does it synthesize a new DNA strand? Free nucleotides from the nucleus will approach this exposed strand and bind to the exposed strand following the base pairing rule. Anywhere adenine is found on the template strand, a nucleotide that contains thymine will come and bind temporarily. Anywhere guanine is found, a nucleotide that contains cytosine will come and bind. So that base pairing rule is, is followed. So free nucleotides will bind to the exposed strands, and DNA polymerase forms strong phosphodiester bonds between adjacent nucleotides. And this process continues until the entire DNA template is, um, is, is used to synthesize a new DNA strand. Now, the process of forming a new DNA strand um, can occur on both strands, both um, original strand of the DNA. On one of the strands, that process is called continuous replication. And that strand that continuous replication takes place on is described as the leading strand. Whereas on the other strand, which is called the lagging strand, discontinuous replication takes place. And this is because there are gaps within the new strand that is being formed. 
So these gaps result in the formation of numerous fragments, fragments of um, DNA materials, fragments of DNA on the strands that are not joined together completely. These fragments are called Okazaki fragments. And these fragments are closed up by an enzyme called DNA ligase. So the job of DNA ligase is to close up the strands and to join Okazaki fragments on the lagging strands to one another. So that's DNA replication. Now let's talk about something else. What is a gene? A gene is a sequence of nucleotides that forms part of the DNA molecule. We can also define it as a segment of the DNA, a portion of the DNA, a region of the DNA that codes for a specific polypeptide. Genes determine the structural, physiological, and biochemical characteristics of an organism. Now, another term to define, mutation. What is mutation? Mutation is a change in the sequence of DNA and it may result in the formation of an altered polypeptide. A mutation is a change in the sequence of DNA that results in the formation of an altered polypeptide. An example of a mutation is a substitution mutation that affects the structure of the gene that codes for hemoglobin. Hemoglobin is made up of four polypeptides, two alpha chains, which are composed of 141 amino acids, and two beta chains, which are each composed of 146 amino acids. A mutation on the gene that codes for the beta chain of hemoglobin is the cause of a condition known as sickle cell anemia. This, fault, this mutation occurs on the sixth amino acid. In healthy normal individuals, the amino acid is glutamic acid. But in affected individuals who are experience the mutation, the amino acid, glutamic acid, is replaced by valine. Glutamic acid carries a negative charge and it is polar, whereas valine is non-polar and hydrophobic. And this makes the polypeptide that is formed, the beta globin that is formed, to be less soluble. And so it develops into rigid rod-like, it causes hemoglobin to develop into rigid rod-like fibers. And this causes a change in the shape of the hemoglobin. It changes from the normal biconcave disc shape into a, a sickle shape. So a mutation changes the structure of the gene. And once the structure of the gene is changed, the mRNA that is formed from that gene will be different. And then eventually the polypeptide formed from that gene will be different. How are polypeptides formed? Let's talk about that. The process by which polypeptides are formed is known as protein synthesis. Synthesis of proteins protein synthesis and it occurs in two stages the first stage is called transcription and the second stage is called translation transcription and translation what happens during transcription transcription involves the formation of mRNA molecule from a section of the DNA and then what happens during translation that is the formation of a polypeptide molecule from the mRNA that was produced during transcription. Transcription takes place in the nucleus and what happens? The gene that codes for the protein to be formed is unwound. The DNA double helix unwinds and nitrogenous bases on the strands of the DNA are exposed. One of the strands is selected as a template for the formation of a complementary single strand of DNA. And then free nucleotides from the cytoplasm and the nucleus are transported to these exposed DNA and they bind to the exposed DNA following the base pairing rule. 
Adenine binds to thymine, guanine binds to cytosine, cytosine binds to guanine, and uracil binds to adenine. In other words, anywhere adenine is found on the DNA molecule, uracil nucleotides will come and bind in forming the mRNA molecule. So we are not using thymine nucleotides in forming mRNA. Rather, we are using uracil nucleotides. And note also that the nucleotides that we are using here are nucleotides that contain ribose pentose sugar. So these free nucleotides approach and they bind. And then RNA polymerase will form phosphodiester bonds between adjacent RNA nucleotides. And then the process continues. The mRNA molecule keeps on growing and increasing in length until the mRNA reaches mRNA until the RNA polymerase reaches its top code. And once it reaches the stop code, it detaches from the DNA and the two DNA strands rejoin back again, forming the double helix. And once the mRNA molecule is formed, it moves out of the nucleus through the nuclear pore and moves into the cytoplasm where it binds to the ribosome for the second phase to take place. This second phase is called translation. During translation, the mRNA molecule attaches to the ribosome and once it attaches to the ribosome, two mRNA codons can fit into the ribosome. What's an mRNA codon? An mRNA codon is a sequence of three nucleotides on the mRNA that codes for a specific amino acid. So two codons can fit into the ribosome per time. So once they fit in, amino acid RNA molecules having complementary codon and carrying specific corresponding amino acids will approach the ribosome and bind to the mRNA codon by hydrogen bonds. Two amino acid RNA molecules will bind at a time. So two transfer RNA molecules will bind at a time to the um, mRNA on the ribosome. And so they will stay at the ribosome until a peptide bond is formed. So the ribosome holds the mRNA, tRNA and associated enzymes together until a peptide bond is formed between adjacent amino acids. Once the peptide bond has been formed, the ribosome will move along the mRNA and cover another um, codon. And then a corresponding tRNA will bring in another amino acid attached to the um, codon of the mRNA by its anticodon. Peptide bond is formed. Once peptide bond is formed, the ribosome moves further along again. Another tRNA molecule brings in another amino acid. And this process continues on and on like that until this top codon is reached on the mRNA. And at this point, the mRNA is released from the ribosome and the polypeptide is released into the ER, rough ER, for further modification and development within the cell. So that's the process of translation. So after transcription, translation takes place. Now let's wrap it up with something called the genetic code. What is the genetic code? What are the features of a genetic code? Number one, the genetic code is a triplet code. That is, a sequence of three nucleotides code for one amino acid. In other words, the position of one amino acid within a polypeptide is determined by a sequence of three nucleotides, a sequence of three nitrogenous bases. Number two, the genetic code is non-overlapping. What does that mean? No base of a given triplet contributes to part of the code of the adjacent triplet. It is non-overlapping. Number three feature is that one amino acid can be coded for, can be determined by two or more triplets or two or more codes. It is degenerate. Number four, the genetic code is punctuated. 
what does that mean that means that some codes act as full stops and they determine the end of the code message they do not code for any manuals rather they indicate that transcription should end here or translation should end here so it's punctuated and then finally the genetic code is universal in other words the same triplet codes for the same amino acid in all living organisms the same triplet codes for the same amino acid in all living organisms <laughs>